0: And we're on the air in 5, 4, 3, 2,
1: one. Pencil. And when peace comes, remember, it will be for us,
0: the children of today, to make the world of
1: tomorrow a better and happier place. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about... Tomorrow, I've heard that somewhere. Your energy. we must act today in order to preserve tomorrow, and let there be no misunderstanding. Our are clear. Well, I like blue and records. It seems like we're we're running out of you know kind of plug-in headphones. All right, so uh, yeah, this is the Here You Are Wassa podcast. I'm uh, Dino, and we are here with. Uh my main man Kurt from Ozanee. So uh we wanted to talk a little bit tonight about I well I wanted to have a podcast this week and I couldn't really think of anything. So Kurt suggested we talk about sort of the benefits of travel. And um uh, so I I'm going to we'll, we'll just start in the broadest sense. So what do you think for you and we'll we'll drill all this shit down to the specifics. Um what do you what do you think the core benefit for you as somebody who travels?
0: Um, I would say you know I'm a I'm a small town guy, I was born and raised in a town of 3,500 people. And then I went to college in the big city of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. You know, with its 60,000 people,
1: and it's still and the, there, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. And then ever since then, I've been a teacher and I've worked in smaller towns and currently live in a city and have lived here for 15 years of 4,000 people. So it's really easy when you live in a small town, um, and say, I know you've never, you've lived all over the place, but your home has been here in Wausau, which is at least a little bit larger. You live in a small town for that much. It's really easy to have absolutely zero perspective of anything beyond a small town. Um, And I've sometimes told people that, you know, people from small town, small towns, at least occasionally have to go to the city, you know, once in a while, they actually have to get out of their small town and go someplace. And maybe people who live in the city never really need to go out to the small towns. But um, having lived the vast majority of my life in a town of people with less than 5,000 people, I can tell you that most people's idea of the city, first of all, is really the suburbs. And second of all is um, completely stereotypical. So I think that's kind of where I came from. I grew up in a situation where we didn't travel much. I've been on a handful of road trips in the United States before my 18th birthday. And that was about it. So that's kind of where I'm coming from when I started to make a conscious effort to travel as I've been an adult.
1: So, yeah, I'm now I'm fascinated by the, the what Living for fifteen years in a town of four thousand people, much less being a teacher in that community—I <laughs> mean that—I—I always—I always liked to kid and say that, you know, I—I I like my life to be small. Like I—I I always use the, the show Northern Exposure as this sort of dichotomy <laughs> yeah. point. But now that you talk about it, holy shit! That yeah, that might be what you're doing. Now, I'm living. Th- I'm 39 years old,
0: and I've lived 34 of them in a town of less than 5,000 people. And the five that I didn't, I lived in a town of 60,000, which people who live in real cities laugh at as a city.
1: Right, but the, you know, it's a at, college town. But... Yeah, and at the same, you were in college, so yeah, it's. And where did I? I've, I've, I'm just going to say you grew up in Nielsville. i don't think that's right but no that's not right that's that's our other friend oh okay
0: so where did you grow (laughs) up i grew up in peshtigo wisconsin that's right
1: yes yes you we've talked about this in the car okay yes um yeah in the Kia soul um so how many people live in peshtigo
0: uh about 3500
1: what the fuck (laughs) peshtigo was one of those medium-sized uh like Fifteen
0: twenty thousand. 20,000? No. Just up the road, there's Marinette Menominee right on the border, which combined is probably about 20,000 people. But Peshtigo itself, no.
1: So the entire city of Peshtigo can fit in Eagle's Ballroom in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. If we really had to. <laughs> wow. See, that's, you know, that's that's the thing where, like, you just go, okay. the, And so – this is turning into much more about small towns in the beginning, yeah, but a little bit. um, do you do you like the smallness of of Moseley? Um, yeah, on some level, I like
0: the smallness, uh, especially as a teacher. Uh, I student taught at Eau Claire North High School.
1: Oh yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, so that's you know a fairly large. You're talking fifteen hundred plus students in the high school, right? And the way I described it to people. After I did it, it's like I it was a great experience. I learned a lot But one of the biggest things I learned is I never want to teach in a school that big. Yeah I just it felt like I was just herding kids through the door hour by hour. It's like oh, whole new group and So I'm, I'm in a school the high school population is a little over 600 I can't imagine teaching in a school any larger than this I would teach in school smaller than this, but I wouldn't teach in a school larger than this so I mean I theoretically could live in a bigger city but I choose not to. I choose to live in the town where I teach. I choose to live where I'm very close to work. I can walk to work. Right. Yes. Um. And you know, I'm close enough to, I'm close enough to a decent size, some decent sized cities where I can get out. You know, Wausau is ten miles away. That's no, that's no thing.
1: Right. So then, um, so when did when did the travel bug bite you? Um,
0: I mean, in, honestly, right after I got out of college, but in seriousness, probably the last six years. Um, so let's talk about
1: the right out of college thing. So what happened right out of college?
0: First time I was ever on a plane in my life was right after college. Oh, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. First time I ever flew in a plane in my life, I was 22 years old. Where did you go? I went to New York to visit a friend. Okay. All right. Yeah. So my first kind of solo adult travel experience wow. was flying into LaGuardia Airport <laughs> which of course is a wonderful yeah. airport <laughs> yeah um and then and I've been back to New York a number of times now visiting the same friend um but I got there that day she was at work cuz I was there in the afternoon oh, boy. We, and this is 2002 so it's not like cell phones are ubiquitous right. I didn't own a cell phone and I basically had to navigate my way from oh. LaGuardia to their, to her apartment in Astoria, Queens. Oh, and my I, gosh. I to, yeah. I had to plan this to figure this all out ahead of time. And because um, I got there in the afternoon, it's like, hey, just go to my place. You know, go. I can, <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> um, you can hang out, turn on the air conditioning because it was summer. It was warm. And uh, so I had to navigate that. And then we were going to a Mets game that night. That was kind of my first oh New York City God. experience was going to a Mets game that night. So, you know, I got there. I kind of just crashed in the apartment. It was hot that day. It was pushing 90. Um, and in the city, on the blacktop, that's
1: hundred, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: even worse. So, you know, I found I figured out how to catch the bus from LaGuardia
1: yeah.
0: to Astoria. Right. Because you need a
1: bus. Yeah.
0: She sent me a key to the apartment through the mail in advance. <laughs> So I had it with me. Yeah. Um, let myself in. I was there for a few hours and then it was time to leave. I had to make my way back. Then I finally got to, then I finally got to ride the subway, which in Queens yeah. is elevated. It's not subway, but, and make my way out to what was still Shea stadium yeah. field out by the old world fair site. And basically I said, we had planned. It's Like when I get off work at about this, such and such a time, I will meet you at the Unisphere in Corona park.
1: Oh my god. You yeah, that's a bad that's a bad friend. Really... <laughs> Why is that a bad friend? Well, there's so much overwhelming stuff. Like the idea that like so most people and in you know it's the internet age and stuff like that, so you could, I you know, I suppose you could have figured this out in advance, but not everybody would know just from the information available at LaGuardia. That to get to Queens, you don't get on the train.
0: Well, there's no train at LaGuardia. Right. First of all. Yeah. You
1: know, so <laughs> you don't catch a train to Queens. You catch a bus to Queens. Yeah. You know, and oh, my God.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, we had worked this all out in advance. Sure. It's not like we are just going there blind. You know, but she'd solid directions. The, right. And MapQuest existed, so I knew how to get from yeah. the bus stop to the apartment, you know. Um, and how to get from the apartment back to the train stop, which were basically the same thing because right. where, where I got off the bus was where the bus and the train meet, sure. Yeah. And
1: so, so, how I mean, how much stimulation was that bus ride?
0: Oh, it was interesting,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it was, it was definitely interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, did you overpack for that trip?
0: No, I just had one bag with me, oh, I was okay. gonna be there about four or five nights. Oh, wow, it was like a long weekend, type of okay. Thing, yeah. All
1: right, cool, because. You know, I've I've been in New York a lot and I always get a kick out of the people with the, the full size suitcase <laughs> on the subway. And I'm like, who the ones who don't look like locals, like if a local has a the full size suitcase, I just assume they're transparent, transporting a body a large amount of you know illegal drugs or something like that (laughs) but like you know or they're
0: giving up and flying away yeah get me out (laughs) of this
1: town i just can't do it anymore but yeah i um yeah i remember god i i yeah i remember the first time i went to new york and it was for an extended stay like a full summer and it was in the mid-90s and I had a pager and we still used pay phones. Yeah. Like I got a, a pager and a phone card and, uh, yeah, cause we were there for work doing some recording stuff and it was just, I lived in, in, uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And, you know, like I was like the whole, the whole thing of it was so strange. Cause you know, like I've never had a, a realtor, right. I've never used a realtor for anything. Yeah. And I had to use a realtor to get an apartment for th- mm-hmm. three months. Mm-hmm. And it was the weirdest. Th- and my apartment was as big as half of your basement. Yeah. You know, and it cost $55,000 a weekend. But, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. – yeah, so that – so New York is one of those things. So um, for me, the the travel bug was, was forced upon me. Like I – we – we traveled a lot as kids and the first time i was on a a plane and i'm trying to do this in my head um the first time i was on a plane was in fourth grade i flew with my uncle's family my uncle and my cousin brian we went to curacao in the caribbean sure and uh and For whatever, and I don't remember exactly why, but I think my aunt and uncle hated the place in Curacao that we were at, and so we flew to Aruba.
0: <laughs> you were just like, "This is dumb." Yeah, dude. let's go somewhere <laughs> we'll else. Let's go yeah. to
1: another island. And my my uncle, we had no reservations or anything like that in the true Corvino way, mm-hmm. um, and he he said to the resort owner, "I will gamble two thousand dollars a day in your casino." If you give us a room for the week. And and that was it. And so uh, me and my (laughs) cousin my you know, my aunt and uncle were doing, you know, adult things and we and Brian and I just had the run of what I what I assume was the whole island, but really was probably just the resort. Yeah. You know, but it was the first time I saw the ocean. It was the first time, you know. Just all of it was all of that, you know, just kind of being a wild and like being a wild and free boy in fourth grade on an island at a resort was shocking. So like one of the things that we remember that Brian and I both remember was this thing called the natural bridge, which was a tourist place. So it was a a rock formation That looked like a bridge over a section of the ocean that came into a bridge or came into a beach and you couldn't swim on the beach because as a tourist thing, they would bring a pickup truck full of cow parts every day and drop it into the ocean and the sharks would come and you could watch this. And, and I think I remember them trying to tell us, oh, it's just to keep the sharks away from all the other places on the ocean or mm-hmm. on the island. I don't know if that's true or not or if they were just can't, you know, weirdos. But, yeah, and so like Brian and I, we both talk about how, uh, the, you know, because you're in fourth grade. It's not not a lot of that carries with you other than, you know, like. It's the first time seeing some people of another race, really, you know, and spending time with that and, and sort of an entirely different culture. It was, you know, like there's nothing American about Curacao or Aruba, you know, at the time. And, uh, but Brian and I both are the thing that impressed us both was the tuna fish sandwiches. Like we, <laughs> we just couldn't stop eating tuna fish sandwiches for some reason. And, uh, yeah. And then it was a couple, maybe two years later. Um, my mom wanted to go to Disney World, and again, in true Corvino fashion, she bought plane tickets for me and her and my brother, and we flew to Orlando. She had no reservations for anything, and she rented a car, and we found a hotel, and we went to Disney, and we, you know, and then we had that stuff. But yeah, I mean we you know i i like the idea of of having a full uh passport and then the, and then the, the sort of there's all the we went to i think in 7th grade my aunt and uncle took brian and i to mazatlan mexico and again that was one of those places where the resort was amazing it was on the ocean and that sort of All I take away from that other than just Mm -hmm. kind of the basics. But, you know, in seventh grade, there's not that much. I I was more impacted by, you know, speaking of Eau Claire, like in the summer after sixth grade, I went to basketball camp at Eau Claire for a week by myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without my parents, just me and my best friend Chad, you know, went to Ken Anderson's basketball camp. And uh, you know all of the sort of independence that comes with that, and I think that ties into traveling. You know this idea of, you know, I am I am out in the world without anybody to tell me what to do.
0: Yeah, I would completely agree with that, and you know, pretty the vast majority of my travel has been by myself. Right. Yes, <laughs> and, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, people at this point, it's gotten to the point where you know, for years I was kind of doing it and no one said anything, but now my colleagues always ask me about things and stuff. And what did I do this past summer? And what am I doing next year? And what's my next plan? And all that type of stuff. And it amazes me how much it amazes them that I'm traveling by myself.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you, in a lot of ways, you, you are an anomaly, not to get too personal about it, but sure, you know, you're a, a 20 year teacher who isn't married. Yeah. I mean, sure. I, I think that I don't know cause I'm not a teacher, but that seems like an anomaly to me.
0: Yeah. But let's be honest there. I would say that's an anomaly. It doesn't matter what profession you're in.
1: Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, that's fine. true. Yeah. So, so yeah, because now at this point you go, it, it seems like you go somewhere every spring break and you go somewhere every summer and then, but, Then you, it doesn't seem like you ever say no to the opportunity to go somewhere else. Yeah, you know, and
0: yeah, I would, yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty much not going to say no if I have an opportunity. Right. I mean, and it can be something as simple as a couple of summers ago, where you know our friends Francis and Evan said to me, "Hey, let's go see the eclipse." So we went.
1: (laughs) Where where did you see the eclipse?
0: uh, Southern Illinois. Holy
1: balls!
0: yeah we did this and it was in august it was right before you know my in-service starts right so we literally took off the day before the eclipse and drove really far south and we found a place to stay kind of as close as we could get before you started seeing hotel prices were going through the roof sure and then we stayed over and the next day we spent we got to uh we were in shawnee national forest in southern illinois and we planted and there were of course plenty of other people around and we hung out and watched the eclipse. And then we got in the car and drove home because I had to be at in-service the next day.
1: Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> but also like you did the, did you do the Bahamas trip with that crew as well?
0: Yeah, that was, that was a well, long the, time ago. Yeah. At this point, that's, well, that's six, seven years ago. It's yeah. not huge, but again, with Francis and a whole bunch right. of other people, life, yeah, life
1: experience. House in the Bahamas.
0: Yeah. yeah. We just booked a house in the Bahamas for a week on one of the smaller islands.
1: Yeah. How did so, since you travel mostly by yourself when you went to the bahamas with other i'm gonna just generalize and say some small town wisconsin folk what what did you think of the the contrast at you know with your with your friends and fellow travelers
0: well you know and we went to the bahamas in june which means it's not like the weather was much nicer there than here right (laughs) okay so but in general i mean basically we know we we Plant, we rented a house and we spent the week on the beach. And we we got out mm-hmm. some, but, you know, personally, I would have gotten out more if I'd been there by myself. Right. Um, you know, we went out exploring. I would say out of the six full days we were there, I would say there's only two where we really spent the day out on the island, like all day. Yeah. We spent plenty of time in the ocean and, and you know, on on the beach and in the hammocks reading and all that, which was great. But, you know, in my situation, I, I was kind of like, you know, there was even one day where I got to the point where I was almost like, maybe I should just take – we had a van so we could all fit in it. I was like, just right. take the van and leave you all here and I'll come back in five hours. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: yeah but- I, have, I have the hardest time traveling with people and I've traveled with large groups of people quite often. But it's one of those things where unless there's a common purpose – Mm -hmm. traveling with people always seems like I'm just bringing my home life to another place. Like, okay. So me and my friends get together and we drink beer and we talk about sports and whatever it is that we do together. Oh, Hey, look, we're in, you know, Fort Lauderdale and we're going to drink beer and talk about sports. (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah, no, I don't want to I, I, – we can do this at home. We don't need exactly. – I mean, yes, it's nice and pretty here, but let's go do some shit that we can't do at home. Yeah, and that's
0: – you kind of get to like, – something I bring up all the time to people. I said there's a difference between vacation and traveling. Yeah. And honestly, you know, as a teacher, I, I'm lucky enough that I get a lot of free time in the summer. And for me, you know, since it's nice weather and all that type of stuff, vacation is what I do here. You know, vacations what I do at home, or vacations what I do where I go. You know, if I want to go sit on the beach, which is not really my thing anyway, but that's what I'm I'm gonna do that here because I can. I can. I understand people who want to go sit on the beach for a week in December or January or even March during spring break. Right. Go for it. But I'm not gonna do that during the summer because I right. can do that at home. I don't need to go someplace for that. Yeah. So vacation, and you know, when I go someplace, I want to go someplace. Right. I want to mm. do something. Yeah. So, yeah, that idea that there's a difference between vacation and traveling.
1: Yeah, and yeah. How, I, how you approach it. Yeah, I w- when I was, again, this comes back to sort of child rearing. When I was 15 in 10th grade, my parents sent me to live in Spain for a year. Mm-hmm. And and it was, it obviously it was a formative on so many levels. But one of the things that I remember was, in preparation the the group of the organizing group talked extensively about the length of the plane ride Mm -hmm. from chicago to new york from new york to madrid and uh and i just remember thinking that like looking at a at a globe and going the globes are round things children who that have the representation (laughs) of the earth on them, um, looking at the globe and realizing if this goes wrong over the ocean, there's nothing you can like, there's nothing you can do. And, uh, but yeah, like getting on that plane and, uh, you know, first of all, getting on the plane in Chicago and saying goodbye to my parents, um, and then the transfer in New York, like all of a sudden we needed to have passports out. Yeah. You know, we needed to have whatever we needed to do all of these things because we were traveling independently and we weren't coming back for a long, long time. And uh, and then getting to Spain and uh, acclimating to a, a full life in a in a place where to be shitty for my parents i only had one year of fucking spanish at that point yeah <laughs> and you know and by the time i got done i In was it's okay.
0: not necessarily known for like parts no. of other parts of europe where you have a lot of english speakers. right
1: there was just none it still is not it still isn't yeah. right and so it was like okay you're gonna It was literally you're going to get drunk and learn the Spanish language. That's what you're going to have to do. Otherwise, you're not going to talk to anybody for 12 months. And uh, like my Spanish family didn't speak Spanish or didn't speak English. None of them. And I'm like Mm – and and by it being – again, this is travel versus vacation. By being at travel, you really are baptized by fire into whatever culture you're walking into. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like you really, okay, you're like, you just went to Iceland. You're, or you went to Iceland recently. All right, I'm here by myself. I'm going to be here for a while. I've got to figure some shit out. Otherwise I'm the dickish American who decided not to figure anything out. (laughs) Yeah. And you plan ahead a little bit, but
0: yeah, you figure out a lot of it on your own. You know, Iceland's first place I ever went in Europe. And I mean, I I highly recommend people travel there. It's just so different and so unique. Um, But, you know, yeah, you get off the plane, and the airport is in the middle of nowhere. The airport is essentially over where the United States put their base during World War II.
1: Okay.
0: So it's not in Reykjavik. It's 30, 40 miles from Reykjavik. (laughs) where you land right so you 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 know you you get to this airport you land you walk outside and there's an airport and there's nothing else and there's no city (laughs) there's just these open field of like weird volcanic rocks and moss and it doesn't look like earth (laughs) right and then you have to get on a bus and take it into Reykjavik (laughs) and you're riding along and you're looking out the window and you're like this place doesn't look like earth because it really doesn't especially that drive yeah And then you know, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I've seen pictures of you see pictures of when you see pictures of like European cities, you always see the city center, right? But I had to drive all the way in through the city, and to be honest, a lot of Reykjavik looks like and feels like like Soviet bloc Eastern Europe.
1: Oh, okay.
0: It really does. It's like the the buildings and the housing are very, you know, they're very utilitarian because it was honestly it was all built post war. Reykjavik was a small town for, for a long time. So it's all, you know, it's apartment buildings that are very utilitarian, very gray, <laughs> very rectangular, and you're driving through. And I've had I've talked to other people who have been there, too, and they're like, that was the, one of the first things that struck them. They were like, this looks more like what you would think Warsaw would look like. Just yeah. that. than than you would expect from a Western European city. And you get to the city center, then it looks more like what you see in the pictures. And it looks like Copenhagen. And, you know, it looks like that. Right. But, and that whole process. And you're surrounded by people who mostly aren't speaking English. Right. You're by yourself.
1: Did you go to Iceland before or after Menser went? I went before. I actually gave Menser some. Okay. I just wasn't sure how that played out. I
0: was there about a year before he went.
1: Okay. All right. Because I, you know. I knew that one of you shared with the other one and I was, you know, cause yeah, you got off the plane and you experienced the alien life or the alien <laughs> landscape first. And Rob mm-hmm. had a little bit of dude, it's going to look weird when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know that, I mean, that's the thing that like, I really like, I I've, I've been to all, I'm just going to say all the places cause I've been to <laughs> most of them. And uh, like getting off the plane in India is uh, and walking through the airport in India is a level of intensity that, you know, you're not really ready for. And I also was in Ireland during the the conflict. And that that was a level of, again, intensity in a whole other way that did
0: you spend time in the north? Yeah like belfast oh yeah yeah
1: yeah and that was i mean the only the only place in the entire world that i compared it to that i've ever compared northern ireland to was israel oh sure just sort of the the flat out non-fucking-around intensity of those two like when we were in I or when we were in israel they blew up a, like the SWAT team or whatever. Someone had left a bag on the street, mm-hmm. a backpack on the street, and big giant militarized truck showed up and they put a giant metal thing over it and exploded it and in the, with the idea that it was a bomb. Yeah. And it just like, and then once it was done, everybody went back to the cafe. Like, yeah. yeah, I want to go. I want to leave. I don't want to do this. are blowing. If the police are blowing things up in the street, I just want to go to Disneyland. I want to go. Where's Starbucks? For fuck's sake. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> so then, you know what's what's been your favorite place? No, no, hold on. No, wait. I want to. I want to do this. Do it this way. What's your favorite airport? <laughs> Oh, I don't
0: um I actually kind of like Dublin's airport. It's really nice. i having flown through there a few times. Right. Um I was yeah, I, that was really kind of impressive and, and unique. Um I mean, the uh, in Iceland is nice, but again it's just weird where it is and how it's set up. Dublin might be my my favorite one internationally. Um in the US, I mean, I actually don't have a lot of ton of great positive experience with United States airports.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah I, I honestly I like Dublins a lot. It's really nice too when you fly home from Dublin that you clear all the bullshit before yeah. you get on the plane. So when you land, you're a domestic flight, you just walk off, grab your bag, and get and go.
1: Right. Yeah. So then um, what's your favorite airline experience?
0: Your favorite airline experience? Because
1: you've been on—I mean, because your your European yeah. trips have all—if it, it, I remember right—they've all been sort of various airlines.
0: Yeah, on. Um, well, Ireland was on Aer Lingus. Scotland was on Aer Lingus. Um, Iceland's on Iceland Air. Uh, this last summer, well, this last summer when I when I hopped all around Europa, Europe, I was on a bunch of different airlines, right. um, and. Uh, Air Lingus does a really, I, again, I think they do a really really nice job with how they take care of people and the planes are pretty comfortable. You know, this last summer I flew across the ocean from O'Hare to London on Norwegian, and that was a little interesting. That's very no frills. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very no frills. <laughs> it was a great way to get across the ocean for 400 bucks, but uh, it was very no frills.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. So then what is it, you know? As far as the airports that you liked, why did you like them? Um, you know, neat,
0: clean, orderly, lots of space, lots of amenities for when you're sitting there wasting, killing your time. You know, killing time. Um, Dublin's just you know, like Dublin's just really easy to navigate. And it's not just because it's everything's in English, because all the airports have English signs, uh, because that's the language that. Anyone can do it. You fly into Iceland, they have English signs. You fly in, even in Madrid, English signs. Um, but I just, I mean, I felt that, that one is incredibly nice to navigate. It seems like they actually thought it out when they built it or renovated it last. As to, you know, we can bring up the fact that O'Hare is kind of a mess. Um, LaGuardia is a bigger mess. Um, people knock it a lot, but... Atlanta, Hartsfield-Jackson is also really easy to navigate. It makes a lot of sense to find your way around, uh, even though it's massive and it's incredibly busy. Uh, just like pure aesthetics, when I flew out of Bilbao, Spain this summer, that airport's right, like right. gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> it has no business being an airport. So,
1: Yeah, I, I really like Atlanta. I think that that's... That's a great American airport.
0: Yeah, cuz it was kind of well thought
1: out and well planned. Yeah. Um, it's really easy to navigate and find, find your way around. You know, it's it's funny because now as I've grown older and I'm and I'm less of a traveler, I I I value I had grown to value different things in airports, like specifically the ability to sleep in an airport you know like yeah, once
0: i've never had to really do that one
1: once you've been stranded in an airport for 3 days they all look the goddamn same and it's really where can i where is something soft
0: mm-hmm. you know like
1: i like my first year when i was at family planning we let uh the finance director plan my travel i was going to vegas for a conference and somehow she thought it was a, a good use of the the, of my time to fly home through Phoenix, Vegas to Phoenix, Phoenix to Chicago, and she somehow convinced me to drive home from Chicago, which was fine. No weird, but whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure we, I'm sure it cost more money, you know, in paying me than it did, you know, to save thirty five dollars to route me through Phoenix. But the the reason that it stands out is I got into Phoenix at. You know, eleven o'clock at night. Yep, and I wasn't, and my flight was at seven ten in the morning. Oh, of course. And it's like, okay, I'm not gonna get a hotel. That she would, you know, it's a nonprofit. I'm not gonna get a, a hotel. So I, I was, I had found, I had found what I thought were the most comfortable chairs in the airport, and I was just gonna spend the night there because by this point I'm a ra- rather seasoned traveler, and so I'm okay. And a guard comes up to me, and he's like, hey, man, are you staying the night? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, here, come with me. And he let me – he opened up the Starbucks, and he let me sleep on the couch in Starbucks. (gasps) What a dude. Right. Now, the thing is, this gets even cooler. Oh, no. this I'll expand on this because in uh, Minneapolis, at the airport in Minneapolis, during the Jesse Ventura days, uh, Jesse had the airport build – A room with couches and it was sort of a secret sleeping room for people who had like if you got off the plane and like you have a 22-hour layover you know or an 11-hour layover the people at the gate would be like walk down that hall and don't tell anybody so you know it was it was one of those things where i'm like those you know like i got stuck in i got stuck in laguardia once oh (laughs) <laughs> and it was terrible it was absolutely That's terrible bad. we were i was out there for i was out there for work and i was we got in the car you know it was the only time i i will never fly out of LaGuardia willingly again and so uh gotten the got a car from manhattan to laGuardia which cost ninety dollars and yeah. uh in the car the guy's like hey you're not flying anywhere there's it's snowstorm coming in and there was no snow anywhere on the Mm -hmm. ground. And I'm like, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. Fuck off this. We're, we're (laughs) flying. And as we're getting there, my phone is, is going off with text messages from my airline saying, yep, you're canceled. So I get there and everything in LaGuardia going, uh, West is they're rolling the cancellations because the storm is coming. Yeah. And so it's gotta be, a hundred and fifty million super angry people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just incredibly mad. And at some point, you're just like, "I just have to wait till I get in front of the counter because there's nothing I can do here." You know, I can't, I can't fix the weather or make someone fly me in an airplane. So eventually, you know, you you get to the gate, and she's like, "You know, this is, this is the reality of it, and you're just stuck." She's like, we can get you a hotel room or we can uh, find you a discount on a hotel room. And I'm like, great. It's New York City. It's LaGuardia. It's a snowstorm. The cheapest hotel they could find me was $310. Oh, yeah. And I work at a nonprofit, so I'm not going to be able to justify that when I get home. And uh, so I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to wait it out here. And so you have all the time in the world. So I started exploring LaGuardia. You know, getting on the monorail or whatever it was called there and going from terminal to terminal, hoping to find a bed. And uh, and I ended up getting to the international terminal and they they had the most comfortable seats. Mm -hmm. And because everything in the international terminal was going east, those planes were still flying. Yeah. So that was, you know, it was sitting there and watching people take off. And that was super fun. Because I was trapped. And I we did the... When I got home, I was in LaGuardia for 24 hours. And then I had like a two-hour layover in Minneapolis. And then I came home. And what we did the math and realized was if I had rented a car... When oh, yeah. I got to the airport in LaGuardia, I could have beat myself home.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even fighting the weather. Right.
1: Having to slow down, you would have done it. Yeah, but it was... It was one of those experiences where watching people who don't have seasoning travel or vacation that's really it the the people on vacation who you know who've got to get home for work on Tuesday morning and they're flying on you know Monday afternoon those people are all just they're you know going to kill somebody yeah and and the thing is you know yes that's real and you you have to respect that but at the same time, what travel is has taught me is that it just it doesn't wait and it doesn't it doesn't care really about you know that plane's going up if I'm on it or not you yeah know? and and the brilliance of, of the experience is that I'm on an airplane flying over an ocean at 700 miles an hour well you know holy crap that's awesome so yeah so. So where's the furthest place you've flown to so far?
0: Like just longest flight? Yeah, just longest
1: (laughs) flight. Uh, The
0: longest flight I've made at this point was the Chicago to, well, distance Chicago to London. Um, I think coming home, because when you travel west, you fly slower, Dublin to Chicago might actually take longer. Um, But basically every time I've flown to Europe, I've, you know, well, either I went to Iceland or I... uh, I went to or connected through like Ireland or Britain. Sure. So that that flight you're talking seven hours, eight hours max. Right. And yeah. I I haven't gone the 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 western way yet. I've been debating that, but I've you know, going over the Pacific to like you know, New Zealand or right. Australia or something when you're talking thirteen hours.
1: Yeah. 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 It's those are great flights. Like I've gone <laughs> I went uh the 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 trip was los angeles (laughs) this is so bad los angeles to new york two days in new york new york to moscow four days in moscow moscow to sydney like a week and a week and a half in sydney yeah and it's just like at at some point your body just goes well fuck it you <laughs> i don't know where you are you don't know where you are and where you sydney to la then to get back home yeah then we got home <laughs> that way and it was yeah. like but it was one of those trips where it was a bunch of gigs and stuff like that so it all it was all super cool and moscow was one of the weirdest places the the first time you go to moscow as a as an entertainer or you know like that it's it's a weird 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 experience the second time we went to moscow it was much nicer cause we had a much better fixer and a guy to take care of everything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I would never like, if, if I went back to Moscow, I would just hold up a sign that said looking for the mafia and pay them to take care of everything. <laughs>
0: Probably a good idea.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so what's, what's been your favorite trip so far? No, no. Hold on. Yeah. What's been your favorite trip?
0: Well, I would say the trip I did this last summer, because I bounced all over the place and I was gone for two and a half weeks and I had a great time. Um, so this last summer, I, I sing in the Wassau Lyric Choir. We went on tour to Spain, but it's summertime and I'm a teacher and flights cost the same no matter how long you stay there. <laughs> so I kind of I started looking at different options and places that I kind of been on my list of where I wanted to go. So the trip I built was I flew Chicago to London and I had 48 hours in London. screw around and mostly it was just it was a cheap way for me to get from chicago to madrid right which is where we're all centralized and started when we did that tour in spain and it was like i can fly a couple days early fly really cheap Spend a couple nights in london never been to london sounds great and i had a great time of course and then eight nights eight days eight nights in spain with the group um from madrid and going basically based around Madrid and central Spain and then going north. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And the fact that I actually had f- some functional Spanish made my life simpler than the average person on the trip. Um, and then from there, I, we finished in Bilbao. I flew, I still can't believe this flight exists, um, nonstop from Bilbao, Spain to Edinburgh, which okay. that, that shouldn't exist, but that flight exists. Yeah. <laughs> um, where I had to, I had to spend the night in Edinburgh, which is, you know, oh, darn. You can hang out in, like, the nicest city in Scotland where everything's beautiful and there's whiskey everywhere. Oh, that sounds awful. Because basically it was a one-night layover because I had to wait till the next day to catch where I really was headed. And that was the Faroe Islands Um, because that had always kind of been on my list of a place to go. And I thought, oh, someday I'll do it when I – I'll tag it when I go – to scotland or i'll tag it when i go back to iceland and i went to scotland but i didn't have enough time to visit the faroe islands too so I'm like this is a way to do it um up in the middle of nowhere and then spent four days there yeah four solid a little more than four days there and then came home through reykjavik right a couple days in reykjavik before i came home so i i had six flights over the course of 17 days <laughs> Wow, and, that's cool! And they they were all non I mean, each flight was nonstop. I didn't have to make a connection. my My fastest connection, with finger quotes around it, was in Edinburgh. Where I had a little less than twenty four hours between flights and overnight.
1: Oh, that's cool! Yeah. So then, what's been the most impactful trip since you were twenty two?
0: Most, imp, I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, that first trip to New York City was incredibly impactful. Um, you know, I was going to go visit a friend and I'm like, oh, New York City, yay, exciting, but how much I had to learn to be able to kind of just navigate my way. uh, That meant a lot. And it, it, you know, and once you do that, it makes it easier. Really, really makes it easier. And then I would say the next one, you know, the first trip I went someplace where they don't speak English, which was Iceland.
1: Right. (laughs) Jesus. And that's like going uh, to another world.
0: Yeah. Now, to be fair, they really do speak English. Most of them, the Nordic countries are pretty good for that. But you know, having to navigate signage that isn't always that way. Um, seeing a whole new, you know, you get there and you, you rent a car. And it's like, uh, what do these signs mean? I have to yeah. figure this out and figure it out fast. Um, well, I always, like I
1: always say that, yes, okay. That in in <laughs> Iceland, yes, they most people speak English. At the same time, you know, as it's been well publicized, most people also believe in fairies.
0: <laughs> the majority of people believe that, yes, there are elves that yeah. live <laughs> on some level. Yeah. So then they've it's stopped, like, yeah. they stopped, they've, they've had places where they've stopped building projects. Right. To make sure that there are no elves living there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So as much as it's, yes, they do speak a language close to ours, they have a different view of nature.
0: Oh, without a doubt.
1: You know, like, Yeah, fairies and elves are like did you do you have a fairies and elves plan for your construction project? (laughs) Well no. Well then we're not gonna approve it. What the hell? You know, so (laughs) yeah. You know, it's just sort of like it's that thing where you just kind of go places and you're like, What are you talking about? What yeah what this is so foreign to me that I don't but at the same time it's not like Iceland is a new country. It's not like these are new beliefs. These are things that these people, that this culture has worked out for eternity, it seems. Yeah. You know, so, yeah.
0: For over a thousand years. Right. <laughs> you know, so, ever since the, the Vikings landed there.
1: Yeah. So they've they've been working on the, the elves thing, and they're not coming off of it anytime mm-hmm. soon. So, yeah. Yeah. So then where do you want to go next?
0: Well, where do I want to go is a huge list.
1: <laughs> um.
0: But you want to know where I am going next? Sure, where are you? Because I've already made plans. Started. I've already booked flights, so now I have to do it. Okay. Uh, so next summer, in June, I'm going to fly uh, Chicago to Oslo. And wow. what's that? Wow. Wow. Oh, I thought you said, oh. <laughs> like. Uh, no,
1: that's like no. That's one of those places where I you you might just call and say I'm not coming home.
0: I kind of felt that way in the Faroe Islands. In fact, I made a joke about it to a friend. I sent a picture. I said, I live here now. You can yeah. have my stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to fly to Oslo, spend a couple days in Oslo, and then rent a car and get out into the mountains and the fjords. Yeah. Out in the west. Yeah. Then from there, I'm flying to Tallinn, Estonia from Oslo. Oh, God. Okay. Spend a cu- Spend a couple nights there, take the ferry across the water to Helsinki, spend a couple nights there, and fly home from Helsinki, be gone about two weeks.
1: Wow. That's cool. I, I, I'm not kidding to say that you might not come home from Norway. (laughs) It's, it really like, if I had, if I had traveled to Norway as a 35 year old adult rather than a 22 year old person, I don't think I would have ever left. You know, I would have take the time to begin to endeavor to, to become a dual citizen of (laughs)
0: <laughs> Arguably
1: the greatest country in the world. Yeah. You know, and yeah, man, Oslo is just one of those places where you're like, this this is, like, they have taken the time to think shit through and perfect a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, whatever they pay, 90% taxes or whatever, but, <laughs> you know, you you're mandated to have healthcare and retirement forever, you know, just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just one of those places where you're just going to love it, you know, so Estonia is going to be the opposite, that's going to be, that you're going to go, wow, this is like Eastern Europe in the movies.
0: Well, and well, Estonia, have you, I'm assuming you've been? I have. You've been to Talon. when? but then when were you there?
1: In the early 2000s.
0: Okay, so more recent than I thought you yeah. said. I was waiting for you to say in the '90s when they were still trying to figure out how not to be the Soviet Union, right? Um, yeah,
1: but no. But when I'm, when it, I was there, like the buildings still had artillery holes in them. I believe it. Yeah, you know, and they I mean, might still it to this day. Yeah,
0: but it's gonna. I mean, that will be different than your experience. I yeah. Mean, at this point, all those Baltic countries—they're all—they're the EU now. I mean, they are. They're on yeah. the euro. They're—they're they're the EU. So that's like I said. That'll be different. Yeah. Without a doubt, it will. Without a doubt, it'll be much more different than let's say in Oslo would be. Right. But it's not going to be the same experience, even from you when you were ten years post yeah. Soviet Union.
1: So. Yeah, I. You know, I. When when I think of sort of the places that have been, kind of the most impactful, it it was it was a trip to India as a as a in my twenties, because just that the sort of one, the the difference in smell of the entire country mm-hmm. that, and it's like, it seems like it's not a big thing, but there's whatever, 50 times more people in that country. Yeah. And just all of the smell that comes along with that many people, you know, and then, you know, the the culture, like Laura Scuderi, Rob's uh, wife, And I have a shared experience because at the time uh, I was just coming out of my relationship with Jackie and uh, I had been studying Ayurveda, Indian medicine this whole time. And so I went there and I'm like, I'd like to get worked on. I'd like to get a massage from an actual Indian practitioner. Yeah. And uh, so that, you know, like I'd like to get a massage in, in America is, you know, there's flowers and smells and, you know, towels and shit like that. It was like the fucking movie Hostel. It was just like it was a room (laughs) that had a hole in the floor and I was on a wooden butcher block table and she, this woman was 60 and just beat the shit out of me. And, you know, like when it was over, I felt absolutely great about an hour later. But if you would have walked in that room, you'd have been like, they kill chickens in here. Yeah. It was absolutely. just god awful. And like at the same time I went and got a massage in Norway. I went and got uh uh Norway one of their sort of massage practices is this practice called Rolfing. And uh in Rolfing in America takes like a month. You have to go every day and it's you end up bruised and pissing blood and it's just it's an incredibly invasive form of massage. And in Norway, it takes four hours, and it, it's just as intense, and you're you're pissing as much blood. And I felt ab like I, I had to be carried out to the car, and I they got me in a hotel room, and I stayed there. But in three days, I felt amazing. But yeah, and then and then Africa. We went to Africa twice, and Africa is the one like. Iceland seems like, okay, this is a different world, but Africa is a different, like, it really, it is. Like, you can, you're no longer the highest thing on the food chain. When that, when you are no longer the highest thing on the food chain, you are outside of first world experience. Oh, yeah. You know, like, we were in in a camp, in, like, a safari camp, and I remember the the first time I saw a bald eagle. And I was like, Jesus, it's as big as a Chevette. You know, they're big, giant birds. <laughs> yeah. And the first time I saw whatever the fuck kind of monkeys these were, I'm like, that is like a big man. How is that? A, <laughs> that is like a Bigfoot, you know. And they're like you have to, you know, there's rules about how all of that can work. And it's just, yeah, when you are not the top of the food chain, that is a amazing experience to to internalize. So, yeah. So, yeah. So then do you have any goals travel-wise? Well, I mean, I've been
0: visiting a lot of Europe and i right. traveled a, a lot of all over the United States. And I can't stress that enough. Even if you're like, I don't want to fly. I want Get in a car and go right. and drive around the U.S. There is so much. And everyone, you know, you think the U.S. is the U.S. It's not. The U.S. is not one country. No. It's not one culture. It's not. Get out and, and go. Yeah. And, uh, but... I mean, I've, you know, I want to get away from that. I mean, places that I want to really want to visit, I would love to do like a nice long month long Oceania East Asian type of trip. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, it's one of those things like if I'm going to fly that far, I'm going to stay there for a while before I have to yeah. make that flight back home. Um, and, so, I mean, South America is, you know, it's accessible, although. Honestly, more expensive than a lot yep. of places just because of the nature of how the airlines work. Um, Africa, I mean, I that was something I actually considered when I was in Spain. I'm like, what if I just go to Morocco when right. I'm in Spain? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go to the south of Spain, go to Morocco and spend another week there rather than going north, which I considered and I looked at options and things like that. But, um, And, you know, getting into West Africa especially – Maybe not, you know, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. That seems a little
1: bad, a little
0: sketchy. Yeah. But, <laughs> but there's plenty of places in West Africa. Right. And as a musician, yeah, that's going to be right up my alley. Right. I, I can I can find so much to do there that I would absolutely love to do. Um, but that's kind of my goals there. But, you know, there's time. There's, you know, part of its time, part of its money. But you find a you know, got to find a way to make it work. Right you I, know you hear these stories from people. It's like I can't wait till I retire and then I have time to travel. It's like oh. no, go do it now. Yeah, go do it now. Right. Why when, put yeah. it off?
1: Yeah, when you can still walk and you're not on yeah. prescription meds, just go. You know. Yeah. I. Uh, so then, um, the the last thing I was wondering, do you watch travel documentaries?
0: Yeah, probably more than I should. Okay.
1: So then, <laughs> do you have do you have a favorite?
0: Oh. Man, I'm not sure about that. I have a favorite travel doc. Um, oh, still probably, and it's a series to yeah. this day. Is uh, did you ever watch Long Way Around?
1: Goddamn right, I did. Oh my that's God, that's right. So much fun. Oh, God. Is,
0: it's funny. It's interesting. It's got everything you want from a travel doc, and because it, it goes so far. The follow-up, Long Way Down, is yeah. pretty, but Long Way Around is so good. Right. Uh,
1: yeah, I watched oh. that. I don't remember how I found it or anything, but Yeah. I just remember sitting there going, you're going to what? You're <laughs> you're Obi-Wan and you're going to go down the road of bones. What? Yep. Uh, like the, there's that one scene in there where the car floats away. Yep. They're cro- like so in, so they're in Russia or Mongolia or somewhere. I think
0: they weren't in Eastern Russia at right. that right. point. And there's, there's Trying to get their way to Magadan across the road of bones. And the bridges are non-existent. And it's the worst season to go because the water is rushing from the snowmelt. Yeah.
1: And some guy thinking, well, I know what I'm doing, gets in some weird Volkswagen bus, Eastern European truck of sorts, and drives into the water and floats away. Yep. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, no. He just floated away. Or then, like... The other stuff, like the amount of bugs in some of those places, just oh. it just sounded like they they showed quite a bit of the bad stuff, right? They oh, showed yeah. that was the best
0: part. Is the best part of is that they yeah. didn't they didn't just make it look like oh it's so wonderful look at this right oh.
1: like <laughs> when so they had they had a support just to explain it. Ewan McGregor and his best friend Charlie are motorcycle enthusiasts and they decide to ride from London to New York or yeah, London to New New York. Um,
0: The long way. (laughs) The long
1: way the long way round going through Russia. And it's yeah, it was like when they were in Eastern Europe, I'm like that that's intense. And then once they got to like Magadan and Mongolia and and
0: Kazakhstan. (laughs) Right.
1: When their bikes would break yeah, and they they would find a dude to weld their BMWs, <laughs> and I'm like, yep. I have a mechanic, and I have to come home to see him. Mm-hmm. You know, like just the the like you were saying, the level of resilience and self confidence that it takes to to do that. I mean, they they crashed hard. I think the cameraman guy on one the motorcycle he went home, got hurt, and went yeah, home. went home. Yeah. yeah. They at one point they crashed like the third motorcycle.
0: Yeah. it was the two of them. They had another guy on a yeah, bike, and then right. they had another support van right. with them.
1: And they wrecked the van. Yeah. Oh my God. And then right, and at the same time, the long way down was uh, London to South Africa.
0: Yeah, well, actually, they started way up at the north of Scotland. Oh,
1: okay, all right. Started, yeah, because you went from Scotland. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then they
0: went all the way to Cape Town.
1: Right. And the thing that I thought thought was both cool and not cool was the section in that where you and McGregor's wife came along. Like she got think, on a bike yeah. and rode for a couple of days with them. And I'm like, oh, that's kinda cool. And then you're like, no, that's not cool. So <laughs> but yeah, it was a much like that was a much easier trip, except for, you know, like they had
0: more political problems, than right. Libya, like yeah. Libya, and a few other places in Central Africa, yeah. yeah, where they got stuck at border crossings and stuff like that. Yeah. Going east, they didn't have that kind of problem. Right. Russia was Russia was remarkably nice to them. Uh, Mongolia was really nice to them so was Kazakhstan right. I remember they eventually remember they had to tell the Kazakhstani police please stop coming with us
1: right yeah because they
0: were like the Kazakhstani police were like oh you're this is great we love this please yeah. support you. so we're just gonna we're gonna escort you across our country and they're right. like no yeah. that's not why we're doing this
1: or, or in <laughs> Russia they had to start they had to learn how to say no to drinking like no no we can't do a shot of vodka with everybody in this town we have yeah. to ride those motorcycles, you yeah. know. Oh yeah, I, I and then you know ro- they got to Alaska and and uh, there was one episode, <laughs> right? Everything was a breeze after that point, right? But like they were in the they rode through. There were uh, forest fires, and they weren't very far from forest fires. Yeah, you know that's kind of scary. And then I also like the fact that once they got to Alaska and I, I, I didn't catch this the first time, but they spent like a week right there in that town because they had to just tear their bikes apart and rebuild them. Yeah. Their, their bikes were utterly destroyed, but they were just hanging on by, you know, duct tape at that point. But yeah. yeah I mean, can you imagine what a ride it must be to destroy a BMW product? Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> I love too that they brought it. It's like, you know what, bring Because... BMW are touring bikes in right. and they're heavy. And they were dealing with all these like dirt and gravel roads. Right. They were like, we should have brought lighter bikes. Yeah, <laughs> It would have been easier.
1: Right. But at the same time, like they broke the bikes. They broke the yeah. frame.
0: The frame had to be yeah. welded. Oh, by some weird by, fella. Russian,
1: by a Russian guy that they had to find. Yeah, yeah, right. Just some guy. God, can you imagine if that had gone bad? Like, oh my yeah. goodness. So.
0: I think about the one time I blew a tire in Scotland and how right. annoying it was. Yeah
1: you know, it's like, all right, well, you know, I, I ended up in a Turkish hospital once. And so it's like, okay, there's, there's a, there's a fine line to, to my ability to overcome unique problems. So yeah, but all right, man. Hey, thanks for doing this. Yeah, it was great. Cool. All right. So we'll have you back. standing by, how do you copy? They were going to make me a major for this. And I wasn't even in their fucking army anymore. Everybody wanted me to do it. Him, most of all. I felt like he was up there, waiting for me to take the pain away. He just wanted to go out like a soldier, standing up, not like some poor, wasted, rag-ass renegade. Even the jungle wanted him dead. And that's who he really took his orders from anyway. From you think the Russians could dig your kind of music? Still dig it. Major your energy. Lucky under. The big, brusky satellite is just a damn it like I know We are talking about a society in which there will be no roles other than those chosen or those earned. We are really talking about humanism. Why did you put what we said on the radio? To encourage some interchange of ideas: of books, magazines, students, tourists, artists, radio programs, technical experts. We declare. I want you and your boys to cease and desist from violating the American airwaves or I won't be responsible for the consequences.
0: Further communications may
1: not be possible. It's this guy. He's
0: got a pirate radio station. We intend to bring by any means
1: necessary. What's on the comm chance? Very active, sir.
0: multi transmissions overlapping. It's almost a gibberish. Welcome. 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 welcome, 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 simply adjust the frequency, turn the switch,
1: welcome to Radio Programme, beginning according to plan, we are transmission.
0: what are you doing on this frequency?
1: Just remember who you are, Radio according to plan. the become an everyday actuality
0: and in in
1: Thank you.